We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is June 15th, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here. Luke Sylvia. Lazy Bum still enjoying vacation on New Smyrna Beach. So I'm joined yet again by producer Kevin. Always a pleasure, Kevin. What's going on? Jonathan, great to be back for back-to-back episodes. Currently going through an absolute monsoon here in southeast Georgia. You might hear some rumbles of thunder, some downpours behind me, but uh, we're going to survive. We're going to make it through. But yeah, I'm excited. This is, you're listening to this, that means we're one week away from the draft. Kind of hard to believe, but man, I am very excited for that night. And speaking of the draft, which is coming up next Thursday, June 22nd, the Orlando Magic are throwing a draft party at the Amway Center. Doors open at 6.30. I thought for some reason the draft started at 7, but it actually doesn't start until 8 o'clock. So if you're not there right at 6.30, you do have time to get there. We will be sitting in section 106. So if you get there early enough, Come sit with us in section 106. If you're not there quite early enough, if you're 106 adjacent, if you're in 105 or you're in 107, whatever, there's going to be a lot of Magic fans cheering on our team and cheering on these draft picks. Really looking forward to that. But if you do want to go, please remember, this is a ticketed event, although the tickets are free. You can go into the Orlando Magic app or go to orlandomagic.com to reserve up to four tickets for this year's drafts party. So make sure that you do that. Again, that's coming up next Thursday. Doors open at 6.30. The draft is going to start at 8 o'clock. We've got a fun episode planned for you all today. Lots of, I don't even want to call them rumors necessarily because the magic haven't been really linked to any of these players. But you know, the, the news came out today that the Wizards may be working with Bradley Beal to find a trade suitor. And then everybody knows kind of the drama the last few months surrounding the Portland Trailblazers and they're trying to upgrade their team, but maybe they just decide to rebuild. And Dame has made it really obvious that if the the path for the Trailblazers is to draft a rookie, he has said that that is not his path. So Magic fans are like, hey, should we trade for Bradley Beal? Should we trade for Damian Lillard? Later in the show, we're going to break all of that down. Spoiler alert. No, we should not. I'm just going to say that right now. That's right. But Kevin, 
you've you've got the jersey on. I meant to grab mine. I don't have it right now. Show the people the zero zero, the double zero, Aaron Gordon, NBA Denver Nugget, and NBA champion. Yeah, so excited. Obviously, we talked about this on Monday's show. Obviously, first and foremost, just excited that Miami didn't win. Excited their season is over. Their stupid miracle season that was just annoying is over. But I am also happy for Aaron Gordon. Um, especially, you know, this season he deserved it. You know, he, he was a great part of their run. And, um, yeah, I was just, I was so thrilled. Obviously, the, the game itself Monday night did not go how I expected. I genuinely thought Denver were just going to cruise, which, you know, shame on me. Miami's kept people from cruising the entire postseason. But I went to that game totally chill. I was like, this is going to be fun. Just sit back, relax, watch uh, the Denver Nuggets just crush the heat. And it wasn't that, unfortunately. But eventually, they got it done. Um, but yeah, very, very happy for Denver. You know, that that franchise been around for so long. And to finally get their first ring, very happy for them. It was cool they got to do it at home. But I know you felt the same way. Anytime I see stuff like that, especially a franchise when they're first NBA championship, I just I start daydreaming and drifting. My mind just drifts and wanders off to that future year sometime before 2030 when we'll get to experience it, and I can't wait. Kevin, in general, are you a crier? I'm going to guess no. Well, here's the thing. No, I'm not a crier, except sports makes me cry. Sports makes me cry. That is just a fact. Sports and some TV shows. Like normal life, absolutely not. My world can be falling apart. I totally stoic. But sports makes me cry. I'm I'm a weirdo. I'm a loser, but it's true. It's just something about it. I don't know, man. It gets me. So when the Magic win a title and you're standing there, hopefully at home, by the way, like I I've, obviously you think about how cool it is for a team to win a title at home, but especially this year, that really hit me with it being Denver's first. Right. Like, oh, it's great to win an NBA championship, of course, but it's that much better to do it in front of your home fans. Like standing there in Amway, looking up at the rafters or the, you know, the video board, whatever, and the confetti is is flowing down. Are are the tears streaming for you oh, when, when you daydream about this? Oh, dude. I will be sobbing like a baby. Dude, sometimes I like daydream about it in the shower and I start tearing up. Like, come on, man. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a incredible moment and i cannot wait i genuinely believe it's going to happen i'm just i hope i'm still alive when it does yeah you know we had this conversation about aaron gordon a a couple weeks ago i think when the nuggets you know won the western conference finals about like uh do we really care about aaron gordon i was i was sort of indifferent when you look at a guy who first of all played his absolute behind off the entire playoff run definitely played really well in the finals. When you see a guy work that hard and then like the tears in his eyes and the emotion on his face, yeah. you can't help but be happy for that guy. The other guy is, is Jamal Murray. You know, like hearing his comments to their owner like you could have given up on me, but you, you stuck with me and like we got it done. Like I'm getting chills now thinking about that. That was such a cool moment. Yeah, and I mentioned this in our group chat in the immediate post-game interview on the podium there. When Jamal Murray was, you know, called up to do his interview, and the place just absolutely lost it. An even bigger, louder cheer than Jokic, which was interesting. But it was just kind of this like moment of like, just you know, a, a release basically of just like you know this moment 
of all this buildup for him, the injuries and everything, and finally to get there. And the crowd had his back the whole time. I text you guys because we've talked. We would love Jamal Murray in Orlando. Yeah. He's like the perfect oh. guy to fit alongside Markel and Franz and everybody. Uh, but I text you guys like that dude is not leaving Denver. Look at his face. <laughs> that dude was just in heaven. No. That, that fan base loves him and he loves that they love him. Um, the other thing I was going to mention about AG was, um, I don't know if you caught it in the, I think it was the NBA TV post game show when he was at the desk and he mentioned Miami and being in Orlando and playing them for so many years. And he called them a rival and everything. He was like, yeah, it definitely helped me, you know, as far as defending them and kind of knowing what they were going to run. Cause Obviously, Spolster's been there forever and played a little bit against Jimmy Butler as well. So it was nice for him to recognize the rivalry. But yeah, all in all, man, super, super happy. Very impressed with Denver. Like, let's just, you know, AG aside and Miami aside, like the fact that they lost four times in these playoffs, that's just so impressive. I've seen some really stupid garbage out there about who they played in their path. Like, yeah, Chris Mannix is an absolute moron. Like, unbelievable like what are we doing like it's not denver's fault that the east was a a bunch of just frauds and they let miami waltz to the finals it's not their fault that they were the number one seed so that they played an eight seed like that's what you get when you're the number one seed and it's not their fault that the phoenix suns were a four seed like that was a team good enough to be in the western conference finals they just happened to play them in the second round so i don't know that that really made me kind of mad but denver was totally legit they were the best team by most people's standards, they were the best team all year. They were definitely the best team in the playoffs, and they deserved it to be NBA champions, so I'm happy for them. You mentioned a couple minutes ago the Heat's miracle run, and just to put it in perspective for some people, it was really catapulted by their hot three-point shooting. Yeah. What was so frustrating for me is that during the regular season, the Heat were the 27th-ranked team in three-point efficiency, and they were the number one team in the entire playoffs yeah. this postseason. Unreal. So, like eventually the 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 shooting cooled off and you know god doesn't like ugly you know what i mean i know and it. the heat are ugly and they lost i know it as, as i hear thunder <laughs> yeah that's that's god agreeing with us it, right now yes. if, if you didn't know that <laughs> have you ever seen a finals mvp <laughs> less happy to win the championship <laughs> than Jokic? it was as every, like you if you would have guessed what is Jokic going to do when he wins? All those things that you would have said, that's exactly what he did. Like I it was the interviews were the best. Like well, I can't remember what was it? the I guess it was one on the floor like right after the game like how do you feel or something like that? He was like I'm happy that we won the game. Like okay, cool. <laughs> and then the oh yeah, and the other one my, my favorite was did you see the one where they were talking about the parade? And and yes. it, so he asked, He's someone like, said, oh, are no. you going to be there for the I parade? Yeah. And someone was like, what? he was like, what day is it? And it was like Thursday. He's like, no, I, I have to go. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's your championship parade. You work your whole life for it. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anyone that hates Jokic. I really don't. Like, he's so likable. I mean, sure, on the court, sometimes his antics can be a little bit much. He's, you know, kind of that, you know, tra- I don't want to say traditional, but maybe stereotypical European, you know, very big and argues with his hands. and. There's a little bit of flopping and everything, but as far as the personality of Nikola Jokic, I mean, come on, you you can't hate the guy. He's so humble, so chill, and, and he's he's just darn good at basketball. So I'm happy for him. And Kevin, do you finally take back all the grief that you gave me? No, since the play-in. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. The Miami Heat made it all the way to the NBA Finals. No, I know they didn't win it, 
But the fact they were even there, and I was just angry all the time. So that's why I'm that's why I'm a little more chipper today because they're out, and I was just angry. And I still blame you for some of that. So, well, they lost. They didn't win at all. That's right. And in pretty dev- devastating fashion. And unless they're able to pull off some kind of miracle trade for Damian Lillard, like the fact that they're probably just going to like continue to invest in this current core, you're not going to win a championship with Jimmy Butler as your best player. As good as he was in the first few rounds, he he just ran out of gas because he, he's just not capable of playing at that level for that long because he's not a superstar. He's a very good player. He's a star player. The The Hall of Fame thing was... Oh yeah, I, I won't even attend my ceremony if I make the Hall of Fame. Like, who the <laughs> hell are you, man? Like, come on, that was so stupid. But yeah, he just proved that he is not that guy. And unless they add like a a true number one, they're just going to continue to to have this team that will either underachieve or overachieve a little bit, and then not end up winning at all. So I'm honestly fine with the Heat in their current state if they just want to continue to run this back. And part of me is like maybe. This tricks them in the blood. Oh, we're we're right there. And it's like, you're really not right there, but it is what it is. Yeah, dude, 100% agree with that part at least. Like, you just want to keep, you know, keep adding your little, you know, second round dudes to this team and hyping them up and, you know, be my guest. That's great. Yeah, Jimmy Butler exposed for who he is. Don't get me wrong. Jimmy Butler is very capable of Hall of Fame moments, like stretches, spurts, moments in games in a series. But he's not that guy to that, that can lead you to an NBA championship on his own. So, yeah. Yeah, Miami, keep keep pouring into that. And let's be honest. I'll, I'll say one more thing. I know we've been talking about this for a long time. Let's be honest. Who really carried that team is Eric Spolstra. Like, let's be honest. Like, I, I still, I think this playoffs proved he's the best coach in the league. Now, I, I want to be careful because Greg Popovich is still in the league. So, maybe second best. But either way. He's, I mean, this just solidified. That's an all. That's a Hall of Fame coach. As much as I hate to say that for Miami, but it's true. Like they rode, like he put the team on his back basically as a coach and just outcoached everybody on the way to the finals. And even in sometimes outcoached Malone here in the finals. I don't think, I think Mike Malone had some poor decisions. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Eric Spolstra is more of the MVP of the team than Jimmy Butler, if you ask me. So, but yeah, glad they lost. There was also this narrative that like Jimmy Butler was carrying the the heat, and it's like, are you not watching Gabe Vincent yeah. and, and Max Struess and, and Caleb Martin and, and Bam Adebayo? Like all of those guys played fantastic for like the first three rounds. Bam was really good in the finals, but those other guys, Struess, Vincent, Caleb Martin, all cooled off in the finals, and that's you know they just. Without the miracle three-point shooting that they had through the first three rounds, you were not going to beat Denver. Yeah, and even Game 5 on Monday, it wasn't Jimmy Butler that kept it close. It was, I hate to say it, Kyle Lowry. Like, Kyle Lowry was the guy who kept that game close and kept them, you know, within striking distance. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, obviously, Miami, go ahead. Keep doing your thing. We'll just just pass you here really, really soon. Maybe even even this year. We'll pass you and, and never look back, hopefully. One last thank you, Denver, for sending the Miami Heat home. That's right. So Wednesday, we're recording this Wednesday night, but Wednesday afternoon, the Magic put out a a pretty cryptic tweet displaying different anniversary logos over the years. You know, like the 10-year, 15, the 20, the 25, the 30. And then they put out like this kind of pixelated logo. And what was awesome, it was like the the old DVD 
screensaver where it's going, you know, from the office. Like you're, you're trying to hit it right in the corner, which I really appreciated that. But it, by all accounts, it seems like tomorrow, Thursday, as we're recording this, we're going to get some kind of logo for the 35th anniversary season. Wow, I'm glad you said that. I thought it was my internet that like went out as soon as the 35th anniversary logo popped up. I thought it just like went pixelated. <laughs> and I just, I'm just kidding. Uh, just how long I'm have kidding. you been holding on to that joke? About 12 seconds. Uh, as soon as you started. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, that that was very clever. And then on Instagram, on the if you swiped the the second image, there was like a desk, an old school like Windows XP desktop with the different logos on it. Um, but yeah, very exciting. Obviously, we it's no secret that this was the 35th anniversary season. We know that every anniversary season there's a throwback involved, so we're looking forward to seeing that. Um, and yeah, the Magic have also done an anniversary logo for all the previous anniversaries. So definitely excited to see that unveiled on Thursday. And then today, as you guys are listening sorry, to this, yes, I said tomorrow, but I guess it's this. really today for you guys. Right. Yeah. But we know that's just a, the first domino to fall. Like in these anniversary seasons, they they throw a lot at these celebrations, um, not just, you know, visually, but like, you know, um, obviously the graphical drop and then we'll get a jersey and all kinds of logos and merch and shirts and everything. But they do all kinds of celebrations throughout the season too, different nights and theme nights and obviously hardwood classic nights. Those will be really fun. Um, I'm trying to think this year is 23, 24. I'm trying to think if there's any teams that have an anniversary. You know, how sometimes like, like in, um, what year would that have been? The 2019, uh, no, sorry. 2018, 2019 season was the 10 year anniversary of the finals team. So they celebrated all that kind of stuff. I don't know if there'll be any kind of celebrations like that this year, but regardless, the magic love to embrace Shaq's rookie year. Yeah. You never or- know. Wait, this is going to be Shaq's rookie year. No, this will be Penny's rookie Penny's. year. 30 yeah, yeah. years since Penny's rookie year. Yeah. So maybe they finally decide to start retiring some jerseys and they retire Penny and I don't, T-Mac. I mean, I wouldn't hold Shaq had a little rap that everybody's seeing. Right. Go across social media now about how the Magic still haven't retired his number. I mean, yeah. Nick Anderson should be first. Yep. We can just kind of throw that out there. Don't hold your breath on the jersey but, retirements. But yeah. No, I'm def- <laughs> definitely Very not. excited about to to see all this this new stuff and it, it starts with the logo on thursday we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So now that the season has officially concluded, we're really starting to move, like, obviously right into the draft. And then free agency is not going to be too long after. So coming up in a couple weeks here, coming up on the 29th and the 30th of June, uh, there's going to be some contract deadlines that the Magic have to make decisions on. Coming up on the 29th, uh, the Magic have to make their decision on Admiral Schofield's 2023-2024 $1.9 million club option. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams 2023-2024 $3 million club option. And then on the 30th, uh, Bull Bulls 2023-2024 contract for $2.2 million becomes guaranteed. The Magic have um, up until the 30th to extend Cole Anthony's 2024-2025 qualifying offer of $7.7 million. They have up until the 30th uh, when Markel Fultz's $17 million becomes guaranteed for the 2023-2024 season. And then they have until the 30th where Gary Harris's $13 million for the 2023-2024 season becomes guaranteed. Kevin, Admiral Schofield, Michael Carter-Williams, Bull Bull, Cole Anthony, Markel, Gary Harris. Which of these you know, options or contracts do we guarantee and, and, and which uh, you know options or... You know, do we uh, decline? Well, let's start with the most obvious. Markel, we're guaranteeing that 17 mil. Like, no doubt. Absolutely 0% chance that doesn't happen. Um, And then, uh, oh, the other one, Cole. So how about this, Jonathan, really quick. Before we talk about the other ones, let's talk about Cole. Because Cole's, Cole's is different than everyone else's, right? It's a 24-25 qualifying offer, 7.7 million. Would you care to explain to the people what Cole's situation is the qualifying offer, a potential extension, and kind of break that down for us so that we can better evaluate the situation. Yeah, so at the beginning of July, when free agency starts and teams can start you know, negotiating contracts, the Magic can just outright sign Cole Anthony to an extension. He becomes extension eligible as well as Markel Fultz. Right. Now, if they don't sign him to an extension, um, after next season, he's going to go into restricted free agency. Uh, and to be able to sign him in restricted free agency, the Magic have to at least extend the qualifying offer to Cole Anthony. If Cole Anthony signs that qualifying offer, then he plays uh, that final year of his contract out for $7.7 million, I think I said. Yep. And then he's an unrestricted free agent. So in a player in Cole Anthony's, at least this is how I understand it, we're going to get into some more cap yeah. and collective bargaining agreement stuff later on. I'm doing my absolute best here. Before you YouTube trolls tell me how much of an idiot I am, this is a 30-year-old man almost doing his absolute best. Just remember that. But Cole, in his situation, I would be pretty surprised if he just signed the qualifying offer for $7.7 million because I think it's much more likely that he could get a, a pretty favorable extension that lands somewhere in the middle of really good for Cole, but also sort of team-friendly. So they have to extend that qualifying offer to be able to go to restricted free agency with him, I believe. I don't think that they're just going to let him you know, walk at the end of next season. That would be completely silly. So. Yes. Yes. So thank you for that. Um, so sorry, going back to your original question, Markel Fultz, for sure. Cole Anthony, hundred percent agree with you. Magic are not just going to let him walk. Um, so, so that's, that's a no brainer there as well. The other ones though, are the ones that are, that are a little more roll of the dice, right? Like 
I'm, I'm going to skip Gary. I'm going to hold hold on to Gary for a second. Let's start at the top. Admiral Schofield. Hmm. I, 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 it's hard to see a spot for him next year, considering we're going to more than likely, I shouldn't say more than likely, there's a good chance we're going to bring in two rookies, right? <laughs> a good chance. Yeah. We might trade. I don't know. If we do, I think Schofield's got to go. The reason why I'm picking potentially Mark Carl Williams to stay is because we can't just be a bunch of 25 and under year olds, bro. Like we got, we got to have some dudes that are, you know, you and I definitely can't be. That's true. Cause we're old. We are old. Um, they, they got to have some vets, right? Like, I mean, Terrence is gone now. It's literally MCW. That's it. I know this locker room likes Michael Carter Williams. The only thing is from a basketball standpoint, does Michael Carter Williams have anything to offer anymore? And the the answer is probably no. So I don't know. I might have just answered my own question there. Um, I would love if Michael Carter Williams like transitioned into you know an off the court role, like some kind of development coach or something like that. I don't know. I'd be in favor of that. I would love him as an assistant. Right. Exactly. He'd be fantastic. Um. Golly. Okay. Let's hold hold off on that. I'll come back to that. Bull bull. Two points. You, you've got to make a decision. I know. I know. On, I know. Hold on. At some point, I'm working. This is an emotional problem here for me. Michael okay? Carter Williams. I give it a 50-50 shot. Yeah. Admiral Schofield. I'm more like 20-80. Right. Like 20% he's still here. 80% he's gone. I. Hey, thank you for putting words to my my thoughts. Thank you. I 100% agree with that. Bull bull. Two point two million. Sign me up. Sign me up. I think it's a no brainer. I know some people are out on bull. And to some extent, I am actually to a pretty big extent, I am too. But for two point two million, there's not a lot you can get in the NBA for two point two million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So I I just think I think you have to roll with that. And if he doesn't hard you know plays very little next year, so what? It's two point two million dollars, right? Ah, uh, Gary, man, Gary. Ah, uh, thirteen million. Sheesh. I love Gary though. I love Gary. Are you serious? This team desperately needs shooting. I know. Do I need to remind you of that? I know. But that's what I'm saying. The 13 million, yeah. But I love Gary. Like I think I think he probably has to come back. Like I know we're gonna at least draft one shooter, maybe two. Even if you're gonna trade him at the the deadline, you can't just let that asset walk. So you have to. Yep. I think you have to. Yep. So yeah, that's where I am. Gary, Markel, Cole, Bull are all locks for me. And then it's just Schofield and MCW that are kind of toss-ups. Like I said, I think Admiral's probably a no-go. MCW maybe. But yeah, I think that's where I land. It sounds like you're kind of similar. I'm pretty much exactly yeah. there. Yeah. Bull, Bull, Cole, Markel, Gary, definitely MCW 50-50, Admiral Schofield 20-80. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty fair. So yeah, um, the next... Uh, Two weeks and two day, two weeks and one day. Yeah, the 29th and the 30th of June. Just be on the lookout, and the magic could make those decisions before. Like we could, you know, tomorrow as you're listening to this, like news could break that the magic have guaranteed certain contracts and and you know terminated other options. So or declined other options, I should say. Yeah, but they have up until the 29th and the 30th to make those types of decisions. Some draft prospect news as we inch closer to the draft. If you if you put any stock in a player's or a prospect's Instagram story, Derek Lively was in Orlando this week. So it seems like he's going to be working out for the Magic. And then an ESPN report came out today, I believe, 
from Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wu, kind of like a mock draft and talking about different prospects. And in that report, he listed Cam Whitmore and Jairus Walker as two prospects that are scheduled to have workouts with the Orlando Magic. Maybe that changes if those guys receive promises you know, before six. I don't think that that's likely, but it could happen. But as of right now, those guys are reported to have workouts scheduled with the Magic. So, Kevin, did that raise your eyebrows at all, any of this news? No, I don't think so. I mean, I would hope the Magic would be bringing in as many of those guys as they can, like from that range. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. We know the Magic like to do their homework, if at all possible. So, no surprises. Even even guys that we think are absolutely have no fit on this team, I would still want them to look at them, you know, because... um. I think, uh, you know, they, they've had a knack for finding guys that maybe we haven't been uh, really interested in. Uh, we being the fan base, I mean. So, yeah, not not interesting. Doesn't raise my eyebrows at all. I think it's just doing their due diligence. And I'm just excited. I'm honestly just excited because a week from today, all this all this mystery goes away. I don't like surprises, Jonathan. Part of my personality, I don't like surprises. So this draft season, I just uh, it, it drives me nuts. So let's just get to the draft, find out who we pick, and then I then, then we'll be good to go. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. So if you'd ever like to help financially support the show or join our Patreon community, join our Discord, get some other benefits that we offer, head on over to patreon.com slash the six man show where you can help support the show for as low as $2 a month, just $2 a month. Again, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the six man show. Part of the benefits is we shout out brand new patrons every episode that we have them. Our newest patron is Nick G., who joined at our Hall of Fame tier. Really appreciate that, Nick. And then we shout out our Hall of Fame and Elite tier patrons every single episode. So I'll start with the Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Magic, Static, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, <sighs> Palo and Franz's Warmth, Pierre A, Nostalgia and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Goatee93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Geraldo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Kayla Pete, Cannibalism, Ty Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Recon, Shahin177, Bulby the Dawn, Hemlo, Ban Hemro, R Improv221, Ray Pastranet, Magic Kid714, Spank Too Hard, Soft Taco, Jesse, Johnny B, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Fanimal72, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, and Nick G. A big thank you to all of our patrons, our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. Again, if you want to join our Patreon community, head on over to patreon.com slash the six man show. Kevin, as we teased at the, the beginning of the episode, with the news coming out that the Wizards are seems like sort of willing to work with Bradley Beal to find him a potential trade suitor if they decide to you know, really change directions here. Ever since that came out, everyone's asking, like, oh, should the Magic trade for Bradley Beal? Should the Magic trade for Bradley Beal? Is Bradley Beal a trade target of the Orlando Magic? And in recent weeks, Damian Lillard, you know, in sort of his uncertainty with his future there in Portland, and Portland holding you know, that, that number three pick in the draft a lot of people are also asking, like, hey, if they decide to rebuild, is Damian Lillard a guy that the Magic should go all in on? And I feel like it's it's actually been like a, a few months of, of sort of uncertainty with Damian Lillard in Portland. And even people in my personal life are like, 
I'll get random texts like, hey, is Damian Lillard a guy that the Magic should trade for? So because of these types of questions, Kevin, we wanted to, to have this conversation and have kind of like for people that might be a little bit informed by some of like the contract scenarios and, and situations as why trading for, you know, a, a borderline superstar player in Bradley Beal and a superstar player in Damian Lillard might not exactly be the best idea for the Magic, at least not right now. So before we get into like the contract particulars, where do you fall in each you know areas of this conversation? Yeah. So I, we're going to talk about numbers here in a second. I want to put numbers aside and talk a little bit more from just kind of the basketball standpoint and the trajectory standpoint, right? Numbers are a huge part of it and they are maybe the biggest part of it. But putting that aside for now, where I stand is I'm very much a, a timeline guy. Okay. Like I'm very big into timelines and in sports. You know, the fact is our timeline is right now is 2023 and almost our entire roster is 25 years or younger and our two best players are 21 and 20 still i think they're both i think those are still their ages 21 and 20 our two best players in franz and paolo so follow the timeline with me here they're 21 and 20 the the traditional uh peak of a, a star like the prime of a star is in the late 20s right 26 to 29 typically for the best players in the NBA is their prime. That means, and this is going to be painful for some magic fans to hear, but that means we are still five at minimum five years away from prime Paolo and prime prime Franz minimum could be, you know, if you're thinking Paolo is 20, say if prime is 26, 27, you're six or seven years away from that. So if you think about that timeline, first off, again, some Magic fans are going to hate to hear that. Some Magic fans think we're think we're contending for a title in two years. And that's just not the Can case. Can I just really quickly yeah, add even more context yeah. context to this for you? So if we're looking at the best players on championship teams for the last 20 years, roughly, I'm looking at one, two, three guys in the past 20 seasons who were younger than 25 years old when they won the NBA Finals MVP. Very nice. In 2005, 2006, it was Dwayne Wade. He was 24. 2006, 2007, it was Tony Parker. He was 24. And then in 13, 14, Kawhi Leonard was 22 years old. In 20 years. In 20 years, yep. three guys under the age of 24 have won Finals MVP. So when you get on our case about preaching patience with this team, it's not us blowing smoke up your rear end. It is like historically proven that young players, as good as they are, just don't win championships. Yep. It's true. And so so when I look at timeline, and again, money is a huge part of that, and we're going to spend a lot of time on that. But when I look specifically at timeline, the issue I have with trading for a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard is that the age, right? Like Bradley Beal is 29. Uh, what's Dame? How old is Dame? Do you have that in front of you? I don't have that in front oh, of me. He's in it. his thirties. Right, he's got to be. He's thirty-two. He's even older than I thought. I was going to say thirty-one. He's thirty-two. So here's the issue: in order to acquire those guys, you are going to have to sacrifice assets, whether it's draft picks or young players. Right now, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal are the best basketball players they're going to be. They're not going to get any better, and they're certainly not going to be any better in five years 
Whereas the things that we're going to have to trade to acquire them, those things are going to be better in five years than they are now. And that's what we need. We need the best possible package around Paolo and Franz in five years. Not for the next five years, in five years. And so that's my big thing where I'm against these guys is just the timeline doesn't add up. If you want to add Dame today, great. That'll make us a playoff team. That's not making us anywhere close to a championship team. Like Dame plus our current roster is not a championship team. And I don't, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I'm not in this to be a good team, right? Like I'm not in this to be the Indiana Pacers. I love the Indiana Pacers. They're my second favorite team. I lived in Indianapolis for four years. It's a great franchise, but they are notorious for being good. They've just been good forever. Like they've been very seldom in the lottery, which is great. They've been good, but they've never been elite. Right? I shouldn't say never. They've had some really good teams, but they haven't always strived for that. And for the Orlando Magic, I'm not in this to just be a playoff team every year. I'm in it because one day I want to experience what the Denver Nuggets experienced on Monday, right? That's that's what I do Preach. this for. And Damian Lillard would would be fun. It'd be great. Bradley would be fun. It'd be great. It'd make us a good team. We'd be in the playoffs next year, but we're not winning a championship, so I don't want it. Now let's talk about some money. All right. I wanted to even go a step further before okay. we jump into the money. <laughs> so looking at this list of MVPs, I'm going to start most recently, Nikola Jokic, 27, Steph Curry, 33, Giannis, 26, LeBron, 35, Kawhi, 27, KD, 29, KD, 28, LeBron, 31, Andre Iguodala was 31. If you want to talk about Steph Curry being the best player on that yeah. team, he was even 26. Kawhi Leonard, 22, LeBron, 28, LeBron, 27, Dirk, 32, Kobe, 31, Kobe, 30, Pal- uh, I almost said Paolo, Paul Pierce, 30, Tony Parker, 24, Dwayne Wade, 24, Tim Duncan, 28, Chauncey Billups, 27, Tim Duncan, 26, Shaq, 29, Shaq, 28, Shaq, 27, and then back to 98, 99, Tim Duncan was 22. Wow. Like, it's just, the evidence is is damning. Like, if you really want this team to contend, it's going to take patience. It is. And And as excited as we can be about the future of this team... Like they're going to take their lumps. We're probably going to be close one or two times and think like, oh my gosh, why not us? Why not now? Why can't Paolo be the finals MVP at 24 years old? And the odds of that are not likely. Maybe we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe we even make the finals that year. And I would love to be a statistical anomaly, but the statistical probability is that we're not winning a title until Paolo is 25, 26, 27 years old. Exactly. And again, that's hard to hear when I say that Paolo is 20 years old. That means we're talking about, well, I mean, the great prophet, you know, said it. He said, Alex Martin said 2030. That was our year by 2030. And I think he's right. Seven years from now. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I think he's right. But it it might be 2030. Like, y'all got to understand this. Like, it's 2003, five years minimum, 2028 is when we're looking at our first title. Minimum. That's what I think. And again, it, it could be an anomaly. And maybe, I would love to be wrong. I, oh, I would be so happy to be wrong. That's so far from that. I'd be so happy to be wrong. And again, that could all change with some insane trade, right? You know, like the, who knows? Who knows? But that's just the facts. So that all, again, comes back to the reason why just from a basketball perspective, just from a culture perspective, just from a timeline perspective, I'm not interested in Dame or Bradley Beal or, or any of the guys that are like that, that are in that, you know, age range. And in that salary range, which is just almost equally as important to me is the numbers that these guys are owed. And I know you're going to walk us through it. It's just, it's hard for my 
my my weak little brain to wrap my mind around some of these numbers. If we were to cryogenically freeze Damian Lillard for five years, yes. I would do the trade five years from now. Hundred percent, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent agree. Damian Lillard with Prime Palo and Franz, that's a championship team. This Dame, I should say, this Dame Lillard, not Dame from five years. This Dame Lillard, hundred percent agree, dude. Cryogenically freeze Dame. We'll trade. We'll hold on to him, and we'll we'll re- we'll warm him up and release him in five years. That's weird. Um, like Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, same thing. It's that. But easy. hopefully, uh, nobody has stolen his mojo yeah. at that point. All right. So I, like Kevin alluded to, I want to talk about some of the the numbers and and the the cap implications, especially with the new collective bargaining agreement. Now, I'm going to say this one more time to the trolls out there. <laughs> I know I'm going to get comments on on Twitter. I'm going to get comments on YouTube. I spent a lot of time putting this together and I am a almost 30 year old man doing his absolute best. I'm very confident that I'm, I'm very close to the numbers that we're talking about. There are variables that could, you know, push these a few million dollars one way or the other, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that what I'm about to talk about is in, in very close to the neighborhood. Like it might not be in the, the, in the ballpark, but it's like the restaurant across the street from the ballpark. Like we're really, really close to this. so I'll just, I'll just say, sorry, I'll just say those of you like no one knows how big of an idiot we are other than ourselves. Like we we know we're idiots. Oh, yeah. So when you call us idiots, we're like, yeah, we know we're idiots. So like you can't hurt us. But yeah, Jonathan <laughs> is, is right. Th- these are very complicated things. If you've never looked into the CBA or any of these contract stuff, like literally take five minutes. If you, I'm serious. If you've never looked at this stuff, go look it up. And you kind of just need like a, a law degree to to decipher some of it. But anyway. It's a little complicated, so what, but give us some grace. Right. What makes the the next collective bargaining agreement such a big deal is that a lot of teams were upset with like the Golden State Warriors of the world whose owner Joe Lacob just has like multiple billions of dollars to just keep throwing at his basketball team every single year because that one, they make a ton of money. And two, he loves to win that much that he's willing to pay whatever the price is. So other teams around the league that Owners maybe don't have as deep of pockets or like, hey, how can we compete with this these teams that are just spending and you know don't have any any limit to what they're they're willing to pay, you know, in terms of like the luxury tax and everything. So what they're implementing with this new collective bargaining agreement is what is called the second apron tax. So what the second apron is, is for teams that are $17.5 million above the luxury tax in any given year, they're now going to be pretty heavily penalized. So penalties for exceeding, and this is coming from um, John Hollinger of The Athletic. Uh, this is an article from you know a, a, about a month and a half ago. Penalties for exceeding the second apron include the loss of the mid-level exception. So if you exceed that second apron, you can no longer use the mid-level exception which is uh, an exception that a lot of contenders will use to sign veteran players to not minimum contracts, a little bit better than that, but to feel that they're you know appropriately compensated and you're adding a really good player to, an, I mean, if you're over the luxury tax, you would hope that you're a contending team. So it's, it gives you means to improve your team um, or keep your team together on a year after year basis using this exception. But in this new collective bargaining agreement, if you exceed that second apron, you will no longer have that exception. There will be a ban on including cash 
as part of trades. So you can no longer send out cash in exchange for you know future second round picks or, or late first round picks. There will be none of that. And then the team in the second apron will also be unable to aggregate salary in trades. So what aggregating salary means is, let's say I'm trading for Kevin Tucker, who makes $20 million a year, and Luke Sylvia and myself are included in this trade, and we each make $10 million, adding up to that $20 million. And what would normally be permitted in a trade, if you're that second uh, apron team, you cannot aggregate salaries. It has to be a true, hey, we're sending out 20, you know, you're, you're sending us a guy that's worth 20 million. Well, we're sending you a guy that is worth 20 million. Or if a team is aggregating to, to you know, trade for a guy that you have, you can do that, but you yourself cannot aggregate salary and trades, which is a, a pretty big hamstring. And they can also not trade their first round pick seven years in the future. So right now, the 2030 pick in the like the 2023 2024 you cannot trade that pick 7 years in the future or sign players on the buyout market so like the the Phoenix Suns for example I, i'm not sure if they're over the luxury tax i would assume they're they're pretty close but in this theory they are they could not have signed a guy like Terrence Ross on the buyout market this year so it, it is really hampering you know contending teams abilities to improve if they're beyond this apron. And another thing here, and this to me is really one of the crazier and more bizarre parts of this is that if a team exceeds the apron and remains there for two of the four subsequent years, the frozen draft pick, you know, the one that they cannot trade seven years out will automatically get moved to the end of the first round, regardless of the team's record in that season. So teams are trying to do everything that they can to make sure that teams aren't just spending like exorbitant amounts of money and basically, you know, having, you know, like, like the ceiling is the roof, you know, Michael Jordan would say like, they want to make sure that teams just can't overspend and overspend and overspend Kevin. Yeah. This is like some crazy stuff. Like this is borderline, like freezing a team out once they, once they reach that threshold, like the list of things that you cannot do is is kind of crazy. I did want to clarify, like help me help me clarify this. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, when we talk about aggregating salary, you mentioned the twenty million dollars for two tens, right? The 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 thing when you could correct me if I'm wrong, you could aggregate if you are sending more money, right? So if I'm twenty four million, if I'm sending twenty four million dollars, I can receive two. $10 million, which is $20 million. I do believe, I, I believe the other team is able to aggregate. Right. I tried to make that point, but I don't think I made it clearly. Right, right. I just wanted to clarify that. That the point of these trades is you are sending out, when you're over that threshold, you are sending out more money than you're bringing in, is the idea. Uh, you know, um, but the other thing, like I was saying, this this is, first off, unprecedented. Like the league has never, in, the, in its history, and the CBA has like ebbed and flowed over the years, right? They've restricted some things. They've opened up some things. You know, it just depends on the status of the market and and obviously above all else, the NBA and the money that the NBA is making. But there's never been any kind of thing like this. And the, the most interesting stuff for me is is the not the, the draft pick stuff is very interesting, but all the limits like the mid level exception, um, the buyout market, not being able to trade cash, like that. That is that's wild. Those things are. I mean, those things are absolutely. I don't want to say manipulated, but you know, teams know how to work the system. Teams that are contenders and are already spending that kind of money, they know how to work the system to get what they need. And all of those things are a big part of it. So this is very interesting. What I'm inter interested to see 
is some of these teams that are already in that range or really close to it, those teams are going to have to kind of start to scramble if they want if they don't want to lose these privileges, like these opportunities that they have. Um, because this this stuff all kicks in July 1st, I guess, right? Like the, the new CBA kicks in July 1st. And so with that, um, I know not all of these conditions are kicking in right away. Like it's going to be kind of a, a tiered or, you know, kind of progressive system. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But but yeah, like I said, some of these teams are either already in that that range or really, really close to it. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they offload, potentially offload, um, some of their more expensive players or some of their, you know, kind of mid-level players that are making a decent amount of money. And then interested to see what other teams do that could potentially capitalize on that situation, you know? So lots of moving parts. Uh, once again, obviously it's going to be an exciting and interesting offseason, but this is just another wrinkle to add to that of what, like I said, should be a very, very interesting offseason in the entire NBA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The reason that I wanted to lay kind of all of that out in the way that it works is because when we're talking about potentially adding a guy like Beal, potentially adding a guy like Dame, like the, there's real implications here when it comes to the salaries and the salary cap, the luxury tax, the second apron tax. And in an ideal world, you know, you're making a trade for Dame or you're making a trade for Beal and you're keeping Paolo and Franz. Making a deal outside of that to me, like really makes no sense. Like you're, you're trying to add to those guys. You're not trying to like replace one of them with Beal or Dame. So that's kind of the, the guys that I'm operating under here is that we're going to have like this trio, like this big three, if you will. So I want to talk about, you know, let's say we do trade for Beal or we do trade for Dame. And we'll, we'll kind of go through both of those scenarios here. At first, the money isn't really going to be a big deal. But we have all these young players on this team who at some point are going to want to be paid. And building out the roster is one thing. But when we start talking about having multiple max contracts on an NBA team, it's going to become increasingly difficult here with the new collective bargaining agreement. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, Kevin, but I, I want to ask it to you anyways. And I, I guess we can also have our, our listeners and, and viewers ask themselves this question of all the current magic players on the roster, which are the guys that today you would be willing to say, I'm going to sign this guy to a designated rookie max extension, which is a five year rookie max extension 
it's Powell and Franz, like, right? You know, and and you can only have two, right? Nobody else. You can only have two of those contracts on your team, correct? You can only have two what are called the designated rookie right. max extensions, which is the five year extension. Now you can sign, you know, two guys to five years, and then another guy to a four year right. max extension if you have the salary cap space. But the five year, which you're looking to lock up Paolo and Franz as long as possible. For sure. So you're going to be looking to sign those guys to those types of designated rookie max extensions. Yeah, yeah. It's a no-brainer for me. It's so those two. The, the rookie max extensions, these five-year contracts that we're talking about, are 25% of the salary cap is basically what you get signed to. They're not itemized per year like a, a normal contract is. It's based off of you know salary cap estimates looking into the future. However, there's even more criteria to this. So if the player earns MVP in any of the three years before the extension starts, he can earn up to 30% of the cap. And the criteria for that higher figure, again, the 30% can also be met if they win Defensive Player of the Year or make an all-NBA team in the most recent season or in two of the previous three seasons. So that's a little bit confusing. So the year before this extension kicks in, let's say Paolo, so he'll be eligible for an extension in 2024-2025 after that season. So if he makes an all-NBA team, first, second, or third in that season, the numbers that I'm about to talk about are going to go up even higher. So the numbers that I have are based on that 25% of the estimated salary cap. If he wins Defensive Player of the Year or makes an All-NBA team that year, he's going to be eligible up to 30% of the salary cap. In two of the three years, right? The MVP was one year, but didn't you so say the that... So the All-NBA uh-huh. can either be the year before or two of the three oh, previous or. seasons. Interesting. So if he doesn't make it that year, but he made All-NBA right. the two prior seasons, I got you. also eligible for 30%, which I didn't include. I didn't go into a ton of depth because I feel like that's pretty unlikely for right. two... Like the next two seasons, Paolo's gonna, you know, be a all NBA player. Right. I, I mean, I would be pleasantly surprised. Be wild, but that would be a, a pretty substantial leap. I got gotcha. you. Um, which would be amazing. I got gotcha. you. Sorry, let's let's hear these numbers now because these are crazy. Yeah, so I'll I'll just talk about Paolo first because he's the guy that is most likely going to be receiving this type of extension. So he's eligible for his extension after the 2024-2025 season. So when this kicks in, this would kick in in the 2025-2026 season, if I'm not mistaken. No, this would this would kick in in the 26-2027 season. So it would be $38.7 million, $40.7 million, $42.7 million, and then $44.8 million, and then would go up a couple of million after that, I think somewhere around like $46 million there. That's Paolo's extension. Mm. If he signs it after that season, again, it's it's just going to, you know, it goes 42, 48, uh, 47, and then I believe almost 50 million, in w- which would be that fifth year. Now for Franz, who is eligible after the 2023-2024 season, it would go... 36.9, then 38.7, then 40.7, then 42.7, and then $44.8 million for Franz. Like we're talking about these guys making 40 to $50 million per year 
at the end of these extensions. Like we're talking about a ton of money. Yeah. Now, when we add Bradley Beal to that conversation, right? We're talking about like the the 20 uh 26 2027 season when the cap is estimated to be 155 million dollars. Again, we're looking at Paolo is going to be making uh what would that be? 38.7 million dollars. Franz would be making I think 40.7 million dollars. So we're looking at almost 80 million dollars just those guys. And then when you add Bradley Beals, uh, I believe that would be the final year of his extension. He's going to be making $57 million. So we're talking like in excess of $130 million just for those three guys. And in that season, the salary cap is set at 155. So we're just like 20 to $25 million shy of the salary cap. The luxury tax is set at one uh, $187 million. So at that point, $17 million. We're looking at like $205 million into the luxury tax. So you're looking at like between $40 to $50 million to sign the rest of your roster. Yep. The other 12 guys. Yeah, that's no good. That's that's a problem. That's no good. It's a problem. And then if you have a guy who is decent and you're going to not sign him maybe to a max, but you want to sign him to a, a deal or an extension, and that's like $20 million. Then you have like $30 million, $40 million for the other like 11 guys on your roster. Yeah. Basically what the NBA is trying to do is make it so that you can have two max guys and even if they actually take the max, I think it's a conversation worth having whether or not guys will start to sign for less than the max if they really want their teams to be able to contend for a long period of time. Because if not, you're going to have two or three really good guys. And then like, you, if you thought the Phoenix Suns didn't have depth, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. yeah. Or we're going to have really good NBA players making like six, seven million dollars a year if these teams are trying to build out contenders. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like setting aside the magic for a second, just as a whole, what what these things, these implications mean, like you were saying, it it's it's essentially trying to put to death the super teams, right? Trying to put to death the idea of three, even four all-star caliber players teaming up together. I'm thinking Golden State, right? You already mentioned them, but Golden State with Steph and Clay and Katie and Draymond all on the same team. Uh, it's trying to put that away, but the the payoff for that is, like you said, you're going to have most of the NBA is going to have two superstars and then a bunch of guys around them. Now, it, what is that going to do for the league? Is that going to improve the competitive nature of it? Like, is is it going to even the playing field, I guess, you know, to where certain guys are just going to want to get paid. So they're going to go to, you know, fill in the blank, whatever random small market team that maybe doesn't normally get those kinds of guys, but they get two guys and they fill out the team. So it's going to be 30 teams full of those guys or full of those full of those rosters. Or like you said, our guys still going to prioritize winning and they're just going to take less money to do it. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Um, I hope it, it, it allows for some parity in the league. But like you said, I mean, 
some some guys I think are just going to bite the bullet and say 10 million is enough for me if I if I'm winning and it's just super teams are still going to find a way to do it, you know. Um, but as for the magic situation, yeah, I mean, these numbers and we're talking about Bradley Beal first, like we haven't even touched Dame. And you th- if you think the Bradley Beal numbers are insane, the Dame numbers are I, I don't really have words for Dame's contract. I don't know if you planned on going through it at all. Yeah, so Beal, I think, was like 57 in that year. Dame at another $6 million. Well, yeah. Dame makes $63 million in that season that I'm talking about where like officially everyone's extensions have kicked in. But the difference is he's making $63 million. Let me back up. Bradley Beal is making $57 million as a 33-year-old. Dame is making $63 million as a 36-year-old basketball player. $63 million as a 36-year-old basketball player. That is the the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, and that is the biggest reason why I do not want Dame on this team. Because that that money's not going away. Like he's gonna get paid that, like one way or another, unless he, something crazy happens and he just waves it just to try and get a ring at the very end of his career or something. I don't know. But yeah, I want no part of it. And the biggest reason being us trying to build out this team, like you said, Paolo and Franz, they're going to take up 80, $90 million or so during those, those seasons. And yeah, we, we got to put a team around them. If we're going to compete, we talked about the window. We talked about the timeline. We've got to have a good team around them. Um, and we can't, we can't occupy 50 to $60 million from some old 30 year old guard, whether it's Bradley Beal or Damon Lillard. So yeah, no, thank you on that. Yeah, like when you put the talent aside, like is a team with Dame, Paolo, Franz, and a bunch of role players good enough to win a title? Maybe. But in all likelihood, it's it's not. Right. Especially, you know, like a 36-year-old Dame. And you know, when we're talking about, a, you know, this team being good enough to win a title, you know, five years from now, luckily at that point, you'd be out of Dame's contract. But like you, you basically would have foregone like re-signing any other quality player that you may draft or be able to develop here in Orlando. My biggest issue is it just really hamstrings like the team's ability to improve once you add a guy like that at that number at this time. And when you just look at this CBA, like into the future, the landscape of the NBA is not going to look like you know, the, like the 2018 warriors, like the league is basically making sure that that never happens again. Right. And, and the cap smoothing is another part of this, you know, in, in, you know, 2016, when the cap jumped and Kevin Durant was able to, to join the warriors, like the league is like, no, we are, we're never letting that happen again. You know, through free agency, at least like they would have to give up significant assets to make that happen. But that almost, throws you right into the second apron and then you're just so handcuffed to improve your team. So I, I just, it's again, if, if we were five years from now and under the current CBA, that's one thing. When you just look at the timeline of this team and you look at the new CBA, it just does not make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And, and that's another, I know I'm beating a dead horse here with the timeline, but for example, if, yeah, and this is where Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard do get interesting for some teams in the league. Like, if this was five to seven years from now, like right now, if Paolo were prime Paolo, prime Franz, and we're one piece away from a title, that's different. Like, that's where you sit here and you go, okay, maybe we throw $50 million at Bradley Beal. If, if we think Bradley Beal is the guy to complete our trio 
and he is what will put us over the top where we can genuinely compete for a title next year. Obviously, you do something like that. So that's what we're saying. Like, if if we're five to seven years from now, we're prime Paolo, prime Franz, we haven't gotten over the hump, and we just need one more player. Maybe you throw fifty million dollars at some, at one of those guys, not these guys, but whoever it is, five to seven years from now, and then you fill the roster, the rest of the roster out with, you know, maybe not so great players. But that's that's the kind of teams that need to be looking at Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard, current teams that are contenders, and just need one more piece to get them over the hump in the next one to two years. Not a team like the Orlando Magic that are so far away from competing and already have a very strong young core. We don't need to throw any of that away for these guys. So those are the kind of teams you need to be looking for in the next, you know, if this happens next week, potentially some of this might happen with the draft. Draft's a very popular time for big trades. But definitely going into next season, those are the teams you need to look for 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 big deals for Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. I have the perfect example of what we're talking about. All right. right now, Devin Booker is 26 years old. Five years from now, he'll be making $62 million. Mm-hmm. Five years from now, you have prime Franz, you have prime Paolo, and you talk yourself into being Devin Booker away from winning a championship. Absolutely. That's the, the time that you push your chips into the table. That's right. But like, then you're literally going to be like at the luxury tax, right. and you're going to have... I don't know, $20, $30 million yeah. at that point to build out the rest of your roster. They're going to have to sign you and I to go play alongside Paolo and Franz and Devin Booker. And you you want to talk, you don't want a, a 36-year-old Damian Lillard. You don't want a 36- and 35-year-old Kevin and Jonathan. No, no you don't. You we'll know. be their biggest cheerleaders, though. I promise you that. Yeah. So <laughs> I know a lot of that math that I was trying to do on the fly. I'm, I'm sure that I screw that up. But... Like I'm if you go back and you do all this math, I'm I'm not gonna be like way off. The point that I'm trying to drive home is that it's going to be incredibly difficult with this new CBA to have three max guys on your team and like not like pay for it year after year after year. So yeah. And that frozen pick, like seven years out from now, when they say, hey, you've been in the apron two of the last four years, guess what? Your pick is going to go to the end of the, the that the round that next year. Guess what? If you're in the apron the next year, I'm pretty sure that's going to keep applying. That's right. So you, you just hang out in that apron, and you're going to get the last pick in the first round every single year, essentially making your first round pick a second round pick, and it just will be worthless. Right. So... So fascinating. So fascinating, all the stuff they put in here. You know what? I hate it, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for a team like Orlando, small market. This this definitely helps more than hurts it, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. For our specific context, it might have some difficult implications as we get down the road. Like, like we said, when we talk about extending Powell and Franz, as of right now, those are no-brainers. But then you got to look at the, the rest of the roster. Like, more than likely, in the next few years, there's going to be some really difficult and emotional departures from this team. Like, it's just the way it goes. Like, some of the guys that we already have fallen in love with or will fall in love with over the next handful of years, they're going to want to get paid, and the Magic aren't going to be able to do that. And so there's going to, like I said, some emotional potential departures here in the next few years. So in that sense, it makes it more difficult. But in the in the big picture, the grand scheme of things, this should help teams like the Orlando Magic have a better chance at competing 
uh, against, you know, like we obviously we keep talking about the Golden State Warriors, but that was just totally unfair. Like you can't compete with that. Um, at least most teams can't. So this will prevent that, make it a little more even of a playing field for teams like Orlando. Yeah. The the path forward is going to be draft two studs and just put ancillary complementary pieces around them, which is great because that's what we're trying to do here in Orlando. Right. And, and you said something that, made me, that reminded me that that also makes as important as they've always been. That makes drafts even more important now, not just the guys at the very, very top, not just the elite, the the consensus number ones like Victor or whoever. But the the rest of the draft becomes very important because the 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 good rookies are the best bargain in the league, right? They are on the best contracts, and if they're good rookies, they're the best bargain in the league, and that's why drafting going forward is going to be that much more important because these rookie contracts are so affordable and they're relatively long, right? You get to lock down the guy that you draft, you get to lock down for a sizable number of years. So drafting is very important, and I'm still, as we've mentioned very very often recently, I'm very comfortable with the guys we have making those calls. And so I think the Magic are in a very good spot. Again, difficult decisions coming, but for now, we're in a good spot. And as long as we keep nailing draft picks, we're going to be setting up ourselves up for some really, really good potential success here in the next five plus years or so. I don't have anything else. Do you? I don't think so. We've thrown a lot at you, a lot of numbers, a lot of, you know, good, a lot of bad, a lot of potential, you know, strong things, potential weak things, you know, but all in all, like I said, future's very bright. Um, I, I, I'm going to say one more thing, Jonathan. I, 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 this, this might be exaggeration. I'm going to try not to let recency bias come in here. I don't think the, that's not true. The future may not have ever, has ever, I'm totally butchering my sentence. I don't think the future has ever been as bright in Orlando as it is right now. The only exception I think is in the 90s, like Shaq and Penny, like, come on, like that was supposed to be a dynasty forever. So that's probably still number one. But this has to be, like, I feel like we are on the cusp of the second most highest potential Orlando Magic era ever. Like even the Dwight like era. If it doesn't happen now, it's never happened. That's the thing. Even the Dwight era was a bit of a surprise. And some people thought it had potential to, to last a long time, but not everybody, right? Especially after you make the finals in one year and you blow the team up essentially. Like whatever kind of, you know, camaraderie and cohesiveness you thought you had got blown up and, you know, it wasn't ever regained. But this, like the building of the culture, the building of the roster, it just feels like this is has the potential to be the, the brightest era of Magic Basketball ever. Assuming everyone stays together, assuming we keep building the way that we do, it's just going to take time. We have to be patient. We have to cheer them every step of the way, but it's going to take time. I'm along for the ride. I know you are too, Jonathan, and I hope all of our listeners are going to patiently join us because someday folks we're going to have our Denver Nuggets moment for Monday night it's going to be us and you want to say that you are patient and followed along and cheered along every step of the way I promise you it will be that much more rewarding I'm done preaching that is the end for me have we ever seen a team that maybe wasn't as expected to be as good as the 0809 magic like make the finals 
and then just like immediately be blown up for not winning the finals? Like, has have we ever seen that in the history of the NBA? Well, to be fair, it the team wasn't exactly blown up for not winning the finals. They're blown up for money reasons and contracts and stuff. But uh, no, I don't think I I can't think of I can't think of a team. I don't know. I guess there have who I'm trying to think. I know there, there were was, like salary implications, but from what I remember hearing is that like Otis felt like we needed like a star guard that is alongside Dwight. And that's why they made the, the, the deal, you know, for Vince. Yes. And yeah, I just would have loved to see that team have another year under, under its belt, a whole year of healthy Jameer Nelson and see what could have happened. Yeah. I, I hear, I, yeah, I definitely agree. We, we could do a whole episode on the 2009 and 10s Orlando magic. I, that 09 10 team still at least regular season might be the best team in the history of the magic and even the playoffs. Remember they swept the first rounds of the playoffs. They were eight. zero in the first rounds, that team was a machine who just ran into a, another machine in the Boston Celtics. So it's hard. Um, but, but the biggest thing from that was when we made that trade, we traded for an older core essentially. Right. I mean, the core was still Dwight and, Shamir and all that, but you get Vince Carter, who's older, and and the other guys around him. So, I, Jason Williams, all that stuff. We could talk about it forever. Long story short, I just I'm just preaching patience. That's what I'm preaching. Like, it's not about. Well, no, it is about the destination, but it's also about the journey too. For this, you know, it's going to be a journey, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one, and I'm excited for it. And uh, I hope hope you'll join us for that journey. I mean, look at the Denver Nuggets. Jokic was drafted in 2014. Yep. And took them nine years to win the title. Yep. And does Paolo ever become the absolute best player in the NBA? Yes. He can. <laughs> he can. Yeah. Will he? I don't know. But it took a guy who is good enough to be the best player in the entire league. Took nine years for them to win the title. So the the thing is, like, I'm not like, I'm not saddened by that. Right. As long as, as long as we're trending upward on the chart. I will be good every step of the way. Yep. Now we make the Eastern Conference Finals, and like the next year we lose in the first round. I'm gonna be a little bit worried and, and perturbed by that. But until then, just be happy that the team is making improvements year over year. You want to see the team improve, and you want to see the the team get better. And there probably will come a time, just like the, the Celtics last year, super young team makes the NBA Finals, runs into a, a savvy savvy veteran. Golden State team. And I think Luke and I were talking about that series last year and going into it, I picked the Warriors because you just don't see young teams win it the first time that they go. It just right. doesn't happen, unfortunately, most of the time. But maybe we'll be the exception. Who knows? That would be really great. Maybe. But yeah, I think it's a great way to end it, man. Looking at the future, looking at our championship. Nice. Let's do it. Don't forget, a week from today, June 22nd, Doors open for the Orlando Magic Draft Party at Amway at 6.30. The draft starts at 8 o'clock. We'll be sitting in section 106. So make sure you come hang out and please say what's up to us. Don't be one of those people that shows up and is like, oh, I wanted to say hi, but I didn't want to say hi. If you want to say hi, please just come say hi. We really want to meet you guys. Always a blast meeting you guys and look forward to seeing you guys there. For Kevin Tucker, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!